and welcome to the Mancunian Candidates, the show where we take a look at what's going on in America and bring it in common sense UK turn terms to us Brits. And we also explain to you guys in America what's going on over here. And we try to put our own spin on all these events. And I'm Mike Royce and I'm joined by my regular co-host. Uh, my name's Paul Ripley. Uh, Mike, you must be a very happy chappy today. And why is that? Well, the birth the p- right. You must be. Have you sent a card in yet? Have you sent a card? I am a rare breed of person. I am. A, I believe in the monarchy and the parliamentary system with a head of state. Uh, I think it works well. I like the Queen. I think she's the most impressive one, the most impressive woman the women I've ever known. She's an amazing public servant. She's amazing. I think she's great. The rest of the family sometimes, you know get the royal family into a bit of hot water with their antics and all the rest but on the whole i quite like the queen i'm all right with it and i'm a socialist and i'm all on the hard right towards the extreme left on a lot of views but i do so i'm all right with a little bit of coverage on a royal baby a little it's bit 23 li- pages in six I out of the seven tabloids just getting on to that mm. i you and your friends i think it warrants a, a page to it warrants a few photos and oh another another member of the royal family's born great this is seventh in line to the throne and cover the facts of it and say if the baby's healthy that's what we want we want a nice healthy baby uh, but i'd want that for anybody's baby so that's okay yeah i saw the mail and i saw it's 23 pages of coverage and included in that 23 pages of coverage was because uh, obviously there's no photo of the baby that got released today at the time that they went to print with this 23 pages one a, a double page spread was of other babies at the point you know newborn like two or three days old from other members of the royal family so you had about 30 odd baby faces and they were trying to guess fit which features from all them baby faces would be, and come up with almost a photo fit. I bet and at that point them, yeah. uh, no my lost my mind oh, okay. i lost my mind you've got somalia still in lockdown uh, you've got all these things going on our Iran. Oh, i don't even know where to begin i could do a list of of crises that are going on and there's 23 pages in the mail and then and weirdly enough all the other tabloids that you think would know better even the the mirror with its left leaning you'd think it'd go soft on this but no it was all over the paper but the 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 only one tabloid newspaper stuck two fingers up to this and it was the most unlikely one of the lot and instead put a, a picture of a naked woman showing her ass on the cover the star the star yeah what's that all about when the star is actually the voice of common sense there's a problem there is a massive problem uh common sense in this world i don't know about that no uh, I well i'm a clue about that one well i can't understand um, uh, i mean yeah it's it's excessive and and if you if you want the um, it, the royal family really could do without there being this much coverage yeah that's well because it's not making them look good is but it? i'm sure you it's made your morning no no this weekend too much. You've been a little bit daily star when in reality it's totally different. However, let's move on. Yeah. Um, Dear I, me. I, I know you've got a secret little picture in your wallet with the Queen. 
I don't mind that. Like, so no problem with the Queen. I've just got a problem with pictures of babies taking up uh, 23 pages of, of a tabloid newspaper at a time when there's international crisis going on. When you start a company, Mike, and you're experienced in this area, that's when mm. I, I you always sort of shout uh, about it being bigger than it actually is. You fake it till you make it. You fake it you till you make it. You have to. Now, someone who's been... So do you, you would say you tell lies... I wouldn't say tell lies. I think you uh, you it, what if you want to be big, you've got to act big. You've got to give the, You've got to put as much presentation into your logos, your company ID, your stationery, your advertising. You've got to look big. If you look small, you're going to fail. And you say it enough times, people sort of believe it. Then don't they have periods of time? Yeah, I, I mean, what it what is supposed to happen is you're supposed to give that impression, and then it gets people's trust, and then the company actually does become as big as you were saying it was and, well, and that's, this that's sort, common this sort of philosophy has been carried out by uh, Donald Trump yeah yeah, yeah but there's a, there's a difference most um, people do this and it doesn't involve uh, any skullduggery it is perfectly okay for me to start a really tiny company a pot of cottage industry doing um, you know bracelets or jewellery or whatever and making it look like Beaverbrooks you know getting really posh logo uh, really good business cards really good big advertising so it looks a big but that when you start putting in false accounts to make it look like there's more money there than there is well, that's when it becomes criminal shall we listen to the new york times report on president trump's wonderful companies and how much money he is worth there's breaking news this hour the new york times has obtained 10 years of tax information about donald trump between the years 1985 and 90, well, there's a news story. The numbers show that in 1985, Mr. Trump reported losses of $46 million from his core businesses, largely casinos, hotels, and retail space in apartment buildings. They continue to lose money every year, totaling more than a billion dollars of losses for the decade. In fact, according to the New York Times, what a story. Time, year after year, Mr. Trump appears to have lost more money than nearly any other individual American taxpayer. The Times found when it compared his results, his results with detailed information the IRS compiles on an annual sampling of high income earners. Well, this is coming out of nowhere. I mean, we're getting something, a look at his tax returns. But just that first grab at it, all those losses means all those taxes not required to be paid. Yeah, These are I, all deductions. Right. I, I mean, I basically. two things. One is this is Trump's greatest fear of people actually being able to see that he's not a great businessman. Right. And two, there is like real tax fraud here. Right. Well, Phil, as, as uh, Joe Biden would say, folks, it's time to reexamine this news report. What do you make of what they've got here? This first look at this news breaking now. Yeah, well, Chris, it's extraordinary reporting, and it follows on the heels of, of the investigation that the New York Times has been pursuing for several years now into Trump's taxes. It's important to keep in mind that this decade of tax returns uh, predates sort of the more recent years before he became president, but still shows a pattern uh, year after year after year of Trump not paying taxes and having pretty severe business losses, which gets right to the heart of what Mimi was speaking about. It, it undermines the narrative that Trump has sort of created and spun for himself as this master businessman, this super wealthy guy worth $10 billion. I mean, that number seems to have come out of thin air. What we have here, as documented in this Times report, is that he actually suffered a lot of losses. You know how many of those were created artificially to avoid tax? 
possibly. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not a tax expert, and I'd want to uh, read all of this reporting. Somebody in our group is it, smiling but, heavily. Yeah. You can't see it because the Democrats know, as a group, <laughs> that they want this information for yeah. all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Is he as rich as there he says he is? Reasons, is right. he, does he pay a fair share, as most people make in 40 a year, say, well, I pay this percentage. What's he paying? Mm-hmm. They want to know that, too. Right, but they also want to know because he possibly could have conflicts of interest that are dictating his foreign policy. That's actually the, the major reason. I mean, I don't care if he's as rich as he says the Deutsche it does. Bank. Right. I don't care if he's as rich as he says it does. That's, that has to do with his ego and his, how he feels about it personally. That, that's not a concern to me as a citizen. What I care about is the national security of the hook? country. Is he on the hook? Do they have blackmail material on him? Is he in debt to a foreign nation and then making certain decisions policy-wise as a result of those debts? That's do you think that's his chief reason for keeping this to himself? I don't know that because we haven't seen the tax. Yeah, well, joining us right now is U.S. Congressman Dan Kelly of Michigan, who's a member of the House Ways and Means Committee. So your chairman, Richard Neal, has been trying to get this information based upon the 1924 statute. Apparently, the New York Times beat you to at least part of it. What do you make of this politically and uh, statutorily? Well, it's not, I mean, it's, it's obviously interesting information and in some ways not all that surprising because this president has been just the master of obfuscation when it comes to his own personal interest and his own wealth. He seems to be poor when he needs to be poor and rich when he needs to be rich. But it underscores the importance of us exercising the authority under this 1924 law, which has been used regularly over those years, not always for a president, obviously. Uh, we need to know whether or not the IRS is properly auditing and properly enforcing the tax laws on the president. And the information that was revealed in this story just makes that question all that more, all that much more important. F- but further, you know, the, the response from the Secretary of the Treasury essentially saying that it is his view that our inquiry does not represent a legitimate legislative purpose is just a bizarre thing for him to say. It is not up to Donald Trump, his Secretary of the Treasury, or some lawyer that he hires to determine under the constitutional separation of powers what is a legitimate subject of legislative inquiry. That is up to the legislative branch. We are going to pursue this. Well, now, not that you need it, but you've got a reason to examine him. He doesn't pay many taxes. It looks to me like he's got huge tax losses that allows him to avert avoid, if not, you know, escape taxes, whatever means he has. One of them is huge tax losses, huge losses of revenue, which he can set against his income and perhaps claim no income in some years. This clearly elevates the need for us to get this information to determine whether any legislation is necessary to ensure that the IRS properly enforces tax law on the president. And of course, the president raises this question by the way he uses his unilateral authority, as we've seen referenced in the Mueller report and in other instances, to direct people that he believes to be under his charge, that he thinks work directly for him rather than for the American people, to do things to protect him. We have serious questions as to whether or not that is the case as it relates to the IRS enforcing the laws of the United States on this president. And this report just makes that question all that more significant. Let me ask you this extreme question. If Trump continues, the president continues to use every trick, ignoring subpoenas for documents or testimony, uh, ignoring citations for contempt, even if you can get one through this Justice Department. If he just runs this all the way to the end and says, I'm not doing nothing for you guys because what I really want you to do 
show your teeth. Impeach me. Go ahead, do it, because I think that's going to get me reelected. With a strong economy and you guys coming after me like wolves, I'll be able to say, if it weren't for them, we'd have an even stronger economy, and all they do is attack me. Are you afraid he's, what Nancy Pelosi apparently believes, we, we, we interpret that she's figured out Trump wants to impeach, wants to impeach him so that you guys can be portrayed as a, for, a totally negative force in our country? Well, I think it's clearly a plausible argument, and it does seem as though he enjoys the notion that it's us versus them, and he wants yeah. to rally the troops, and this is just a big conspiracy. But I don't think we can make a decision on the use of the tool of impeachment based on the politics of the moment or even trying to outthink the devious mind of Donald Trump. We have to do it based on whether or not we think the Constitution is being violated. And if we come to that conclusion, Chris, I don't think we have much of a choice. You'll do it even though it hurts you politically? Because that's what he wants you to make that decision. We we absolutely have to put the short-term politics aside and think about the long-term precedent that we are setting for this country. We cannot allow a president of the United States to just so completely ignore the Constitution and the rule of law and because we think it might affect the next election, decide that we're not going to do what the framers of this Constitution would have expected us to do. Well, I'm with you, sir. Thank you so much. It sounds like great government. I'm I'm wondering what the speaker is thinking. Tonight. Thank you so much, Phil Rucker. Thank, thank you, Selena Maxwell. As always, thank you, US Congress. And there we have it. Donald Trump hasn't got the money, or hasn't at the time got the money. He's telling everybody how successful he is. In reality, it's completely different. It's very hard, right? I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't defend him in a million years, but it is very hard to put a net worth on someone. Uh, I, I was trying to do this, I mean, about a lot of it's nice well the less you've got the easier it is yeah but if you've got complicated set of stuff like i've got various businesses then i've got my own money i've got some investments here there and everywhere at any one time because it's invested in certain things it fluctuates up and down i probably am worth more this afternoon than i was this morning and maybe tomorrow i'll be worth less because it's in constant flux i've got some money in dollars some money whatever it's very hard when you're in business to keep a track of your net worth however is, is your stuff hidden away as well I've got stuff invested, but it's all open and honest. Um, would I hide some stuff away if I, if it got to a point where legally um, I could do it to avoid tax? I would hope I wouldn't do that, and I would hope I'd just stay put and pay the proper rate of tax. I think I would do that because I want to put into the society. If a society gives me billions, I should give society some millions back. That's the way it goes. You should do that. If you earn thousands out of a business, give a few tenors away. You know, you, there's nothing wrong with it. These guys, it's not just Trump. They, they're, they're all at it, and they're all bent as anything. I mean, our favourite one, our um, bloody Tory boy himself, Gary Barlow, he, he, he should be in jail for what he did. That tax avoidance scheme that was running, with they, and it was all celebrities, and it was all these Tory clowns, and they were, they were literally opening they, they, this firm opened lots of small firms running businesses ran them into the ground liquidated and then and then everybody got it was asset stripped and everybody made a fortune and that and that way because the businesses were all written off you had a tax of you had a tax allowance for companies that didn't exist these companies didn't exist so when they went bump that they were able to claim loads of losses that didn't exist loads of things that didn't exist how can that not be criminal now yet yeah, the the two terms um, aggr- aggressive tax avoidance 
Yeah, that tax avoidance or, um, you know, well, what is aggressive tax avoidance? It's it's criminal, surely. I mean, and Trump we, there wants it both it begs ways. To, it begs the question. Trump wants then. it both ways. He wants to be on paper worth billions, yeah. but when it comes to taxation, not owe anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. you can't have it both ways. But can any person who's successful in business go into politics then? Yeah, of course. That's that's democracy so for you. Got, you. Well, you've got to be cleaner than clean. Oh, you, you, if you're running for be, president, if you're running for president, I would expect that you would open up your tax returns so that the public can see what's been going on in your life. It is reasonable. It's why all the presidents have done it. And the only reason why you don't want to do that is you've made statements that those accounts will show to be false or or there's been backhanders and payments from companies or countries that you can't explain and if you had a good look i'm not talking about abbreviated accounts i'm talking about full-on company accounts of trump you will find that they received lots of payments over that trump tower deal in russia and that's what's at the heart of this i honestly believe that they got paid money a, a, a bribe to uh, to build it, uh, to be allowed to build it in Russia. And I believe that they had something on Trump going in. I believe that Jared Kushner, if you looked into his uh, accounts, I think you would find money going in and out from the Soviet Union or former Soviet Union countries. Um, I don't I think that Russia is is up to they're up to the neck with Russia. They really are. And that's what these accounts are going to show. So the question is, should they be impeached? And Nancy Pelosi has a view on this. And let's have a listen. Yeah. Don't tell anybody I told you this. <laughs> Trump, I use his name, Trump is goading us to impeach him. That's what he's doing. Every single day, he's just like taunting, 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 because he knows that it would be very divisive in the country, but he doesn't really care. Just wants to solidify his base. That might have been too political, so criticize me for that. The, but that's what it, what it is. So we, we can't impeach him for political reasons, and we can't not impeach him for political reasons. But we have to see where the facts take us. Where the facts take us. Where are the facts takers? Uh, but who believes these facts? And what is you know, what is a fact and what is fake news? The public are 60% um, against. When they were asked in a poll, um, uh, would you be in favour of impeachment? And 60% said they would not be in favour. So I think that the public don't want the disgrace of a, an impeachment and uh, I think they would prefer that he just gets removed from office at the election because because now you've gone through the hard part and you've also got the opposition in control of the house so he can't get much stuff passed he can do a few dodgy executive orders but the courts now would tie them up for two years anything he does now that that's dangerous would be tied up to the point where he'd be up for election anyway. So I think everybody's saying, well, look, he's knackered. We've we've hobbled him. He's going to limp into that election. All the Democrats have got to do is put somebody who's 
Teflon-coated, who's got no weaknesses, who hasn't got anything that you can throw at him. And, and that's it. The problem, with, the problem with Hillary Clinton, in hindsight, as I say, I thought she would be better at attacking him than Bernie. I thought she'd be more of a Rottweiler, and I was wrong. The sheer weight of the fact that she'd been in government for 20 years, she'd been involved, she was part of the Clinton White House for two terms, she was then a senator, then she was Secretary of State. There's too much garbage that you can throw at her. You want somebody who's not been involved in running the White House, who hasn't been in that job. So you can't be saying to Corey Brooker or anybody else, look, you, you, uh, when you were in the White House, you were part of this, that and the other that yeah, went on. You can't throw it. You can't throw email servers at her. You can't throw whatever. Whoever they want, they've got to make sure that this person is clean this time. Like Bernie was clean, you couldn't throw anything at him because you, all you could do is disagree on some of his voting. Personally, the disappointing thing with Bernie Sanders to me, if you look at the running field now, it's his, his, his stance on gun control is so bizarre to me that he yeah. wouldn't be in favour of getting rid of assault yeah, weapons. Is a great link to our next little article. It's about, um, well, it's gun control, simple as that. Yeah. Um, uh, how the deadly Colorado school shooting unfolded. Um, this is sort of hot news that's happened last night. Um, and it's terrible. Yet again, yet again, innocent kids have been killed. Let's have a listen. Deadly school shooting in a Denver suburb. An 18-year-old student was killed. Eight others were injured at the STEM school Highlands Ranch. The school is located less than eight miles from Columbine High. It was one of the schools closed last month on the 20th anniversary of the Columbine Massacre amid security concerns. Police say two suspects are in custody. Let's bring in CNN's Nick Watt now with the very latest. Nick, good evening to you. You have been following this all day. What happened? Well, a regular Tuesday lunchtime at a school in Colorado and two young men got deep onto that campus, according to the sheriff, and shot in two different locations, shot eight of their fellow students. Now, we are told that there is a sheriff's deputy, a substation just a block away from the school. So deputies were on this scene within a couple of minutes as they walked onto the campus, as they ran onto the campus, they heard more shots ring out. And we were told by an undersheriff earlier that when those deputies got onto the school property, they saw these two suspects engaged in some kind of struggle with members of the school, unclear whether they were staff or students, whatever. We're still waiting to hear on that. Those two suspects were then taken into custody. One of their homes is right now being searched by authorities. And you mentioned Columbine, only seven or eight miles away from this school. Now, the sheriff said that today the quick action of those deputies really helped. And that is partly because everything changed after Columbine. It used to be that authorities stood back, set up a perimeter. Now they go in. And the sheriff today saying that quick action, he believes, saved lives. Don. Just an awful situation. Nick Watt, thank you for your report. I want to bring in now Colorado Governor Jared Polis. He joins us uh, on the phone. Governor, Thank you so much. So sorry for what happened, but we appreciate you joining us here on CNN and, and explaining to... Well, you know, Don, I wish I was on under different circumstances. Yeah. I know that, you know, America mourns with the victims' families, and certainly Colorado does. And, yeah. uh, and you know, it's what a, what a tragedy for everybody that it impacted. Yeah, terrible. Do you have any new information that you can tell us about the victims? Well, no, there's one confirmed uh, fatality, as, as I've you reported an 18-year-old male 
Uh, others are in the hospital in, in varying conditions, and uh, we're all praying for their, for, their, for their welfare through the night. You know, as we look at this video, it's just of the students trying to comfort each other, and they were, you know, out of school as they ran out of school. It is heart-wrenching. How are people at Highlands Ranch in that area, how are they doing tonight? Well, you know, this is a um, this is a upscale community. It's a uh, science, technology, engineering, math charter school. Uh, really, many friends are friends of, of mine and people we know uh, attend this school. Uh, I think so many are relieved to find their children safe. I mean, if you saw some of the video of the parents, you know, running to the the center to uh, arrange to pick up their kids afterwards, um, the, it was done in an orderly way. The kids were moved to the pickup site. Um, the system worked in that sense, um, and of course, um, if, if not for the courageous and prompt response of our first responders, uh, the situation could Absolutely. have been far more tragic than Abs- it was. Absolutely. What, you, can you tell us anything new about the investigation? Well, no, it's an it's a ongoing investigation, as uh, Sheriff Spurlock has done a, a terrific job with this, uh, said in his uh, most recent um, press conference, uh, because the, the suspects are in custody and it's an ongoing investigation, much of the information will be referred to the DA for likely prosecution. So um, in many of these situations, as you know, Don, the, um, the suspects are either killed in the process or killed themselves. Uh, in this one, we do have uh, confirmed two suspects that have been apprehended uh, and will almost certainly be prosecuted with multiple witnesses uh, and, and, and strong forensic evidence that's being investigated. You know, as I um, as I introduced you, I talked about you know about the anniversary and and uh, what's going on in Colorado, the the fourth school shooting in Colorado since Columbine, twenty years ago. What are your are your constituents saying anything to you? Because I would imagine if this if this happened so much in a community that um, people would want some answers and they would want some corrective measures. What are they saying to you? Well, you know, it was only, I think, about two weeks ago uh, I attended in the 20th uh, recognition of the Columbine tragedy. And what many of the surviving students today, they're now young men and women in their, in their 30s, uh, you know, did is they established a day of service. Uh, and we hope a national day of service. It's the communities across the country where people take the, the day of one of the greatest school tragedies uh, in our nation's history, Columbine, and they dedicated to making their communities better. So uh, this is a strong community. People in Colorado are strong, uh, and I know that it's these kinds of events that bring us all together uh, across you know any any divides that we have: geographic, racial, political. Uh, all of Colorado, and I know all of them. people are strong, and you have to be to put up with this type of nonsense which goes on. Yeah, on a, it seems like a weekly basis in, and in America. And we're vermin for uh, not going along with this and thinking that owning military weapons and and literally laissez-faire attitude towards guns is not dangerous like Anna Lou Carradine who who's wrote us a lovely email follow up to me suggesting mm. that maybe she hadn't she been brought up properly yeah do yeah. you want to read it out uh, I, have, I have recorded this and will be sending this to my friend Travis A. Newton Anderson from um, the South Carolina Criminal Law 
Society. He's an attorney there, and you will you will be hearing from me. Is the yeah. last note okay. on it? So we get uh, a writ, will we? For, yeah. for what being rude? Thank you, Anna. We appreciate your email. Well, Anna, we've had a look at, at your lawyer, and he's basically an ambulance chaser. He's one of these <laughs> piss poor lawyers who who literally d- does personal injury claims and dr- DUIs, drunk, drunk driving. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the bottom of the barrel, that. Is that just because he'll do it for nothing for you? Uh, I mean, we're, we're quaking in our boots here. Oh, dear. Oh, please, Anna, don't sue us. I mean, at the end of the day, that this is the sort of thing you've got to put up with off right-wing lunatics like this. You you say anything and they can't take it. They can dish out the grief. They can go on about stuff. They want to keep the guns. They want all the rest of it. You say anything bordering on sensible like you don't need military weapons in a home or in any situation other than on a battlefield and you get grief like this i mean she's an absolute well, lunatic another email as well this is from someone called trump is god i trump don't think is god. I don't think that's, that's, that's his name. name not his name no, no i don't think so i'm not sure be called as um uh, effing limey bastards but with many misspellings along the way uh, yeah, that's, that's really articulate, that isn't it? I okay. mean, I mean, we at least we know we are getting to uh, the Trump, the Trump yeah. followers, and the right wing out there in America, because obviously uh, this is this is what you'd expect, isn't it? So, if you'd like to email us in, please do studio at fabradiointernational.com. I, I got a message though for Anna Lou. Have um, we ever given out our email address before? By the way, for getting this sort of well, well, well apparently we must have because the fact that they, these are I'd coming when i'm live on air doing the doing movie reviews so they, they're actually tracking me down on the other show that i do so <sighs> it's just it's amazing how you can i mean they shouldn't be wound up this is and a this healthy is another debate. reason why you should have gun control yes like lunatics this. like that yeah this is the sort of crap i'm talking about oh a little message though anna you know seriously you want to get someone better than old uh, travis travis what is it travis perkins <laughs> travis perkins that's a ridiculous yeah. name for starters i mean what's he going to do is he going to write me a letter a cease and desist don't be mean to anna is that is that actually a anna, criminal offense if you email tonight we can send you a list actually send yeah. in your proper email address we'll return it with a, a list yeah. of decent attorneys for you to use when you want to see well us. yeah you don't want to be do you some chicken no. shit lawyer like that no. i mean you know he, he, he'll bottle it anyway it'd be the minute it gets a bit rough and tumble you know he will he'll tell you oh we've got to settle now Anna. anyway back to serious subject cory brooker has an idea how to tackle gun control in america Senator Cory Booker unveiled his ideas for tackling gun violence in America. The Democratic presidential candidate detailed his sweeping plan online Monday. He says his proposals will keep guns out of the wrong hands, hold gun manufacturers accountable, and bring the fight to the NRA. The core of his plan is a new gun license requirement. He said driver's licenses show a person is able to safely drive a car, and his gun license requirement would do the same for firearms. He also proposes closing a number of loopholes related to gun purchases and manufacturing. He wants to increase federal oversight for gun makers, expand to universal background checks, and prevent all kinds of domestic abusers from buying a gun. As for the NRA, Booker wants the IRS to look into whether the organization has done anything to get its tax-exempt status revoked. Booker isn't alone in campaigning on this issue. Representative Eric Swalwell is making gun control the central issue in his campaign. And Senator Kamala Harris promised to sign executive orders in her first 100 days if Congress doesn't act on gun control before then. So someone's uh, having a go. Mm. Having a go. 
see what we can do. Uh, I, I just when we talk to our friend Tom Anderson, which hopefully we'll be doing again next week. Um, I understand his logic. He lives in Alaska. Alaska is a very different place than New York City, for example. Uh, and at times you okay. need, need it for, for protection in the wilderness. Look, look I'm, I'll be honest. Where He's got a beautiful house. It's on a lake. But at the end of the day, Alaska is what Alaska is. And you, um, he could get up in the morning and they may be a bear in his back Absolutely, garden. Yeah. There may be some other... Uh, cre- yeah, I get it. I totally get it. And I'm not suggesting that I'm going to impose my views on it onto somebody in a totally different situation. But then again, what do you need to to protect yourself? A handgun would probably scare the beast off. Um, a rifle would probably deal with most of the problems that you'd have there. Again, I still, even in that, and that is an extreme situation... I don't get why you'd need an AK-47 and I don't get why you'd have to shoot off 50 bullets in a minute in no. it to defend yourself. I mean, you, what, are you going to get like 20 bears rushing you? Yeah. It's not going to happen, is it? No, no. no I mean, slightest. yeah, people do get killed by wild animals in Alaska, I get it. Um, and, and that doesn't happen in Manchester, although they, you could call them wild animals. Mm, maybe so. Some of the people we see on the street. Yeah, let's move. Let's move across the pond and back to the UK. Now we've got um, twenty-five. Do you think they're going to? Fi- do you think they're going to fix gun control? Do you think no, they're going to no, do something? No, no. I, I, do you think they'll make inroads now? No, I think the culture of, gu- of guns is just too big and always has been in the states. I think it'll take something more than a tragedy. What? Uh, what would? What would? In your view, what would? What would be like? We had Lockerbie, not Lockerbie, but bloody hell, that was another disaster mm. of a different um, making. The um, we we had our own. We had Dunblane, didn't yeah. we? The one that yeah. really yeah. really ended it. I mean, we had two massacres. The first one, we then banned anything other than handguns, and then the second one, um, Tony Blair just went, "Now nah, I've had enough," and he just got totally got rid of guns, didn't he? And um, I just think in America, it's like um, Brexit over here. Yeah, there's a divide, a huge divide which can't be rectified. Yeah, it's div- it's divided into people that live in cities that don't want them, and people that live in places like Tom who who think we need them, and then um, you've got lunatics, like South Carolina, for yeah. example. Oh yeah, South Carolina, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is sort of full of people who believe that uh, you need arms for actually attacking the government. Yeah, it's back to the day. Oh no, Texas yeah, they, they believe that they're coming for your guns. And they, for you. They've stopped piling every yeah. single time. There is one of the. This is the bit that gets me. The NRA, the way they do this, they play this this by the book. They play this rule book every single time there's a shooting, and everybody, you numbskulls out there, you all fall for this. You idiots out there, you fall for this stupid trick that they pull. There's a gun massacre, and then straight away the NRA will go. Sometimes in the town or in the adjoining town or in the area they will have a gun rally a week later and then they will whip up they're not going to take our guns and and then you lot all go out and buy loads and loads of guns and stash them under the floorboards or in in your garage or wherever that's totally unsafe and you stockpile weapons because the NRA have wound you up into thinking that someday the government's going to turn up at your front door and go right give us your guns or or you're under arrest and that isn't going to happen if it happened it'd be done slowly over years and then there would be an amnesty for quite a 
long time and then you'd be compensated they'd buy the guns off you that's what happened over here and and then and then it would be years before it would be a criminal offence in any and we would all you would all have to adapt to that we adapted here we had guns here they went and we got we learned to live with it i i don't know anybody now that when i'm out in a pub ever brings up a oh conversation along the lines of oh i used to love having guns i wish we could have them again it doesn't happen nobody wants guns here well i want a gun tonight do you mm. what for well i love my cats I actually adore my cats. Oh, you're talking animals, about killing animals, a cat now. And my cat is the um, fourth time it's been attacked by a feral cat. The very first time it cost a fortune that the vets to sort out. And there's a feral cat that lives in my area. Yeah. Um, a few years back, it was injured. And I see it hopping everywhere. Okay. But it's recovered. And it's uh, just attacked my cat. Yeah. Picks on it. And, and, Are you sure you know, you're not? If it, this sounds like something that you sort of might be imagining. There's no imagination. It's actually quite horrendous what happens to my cat. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not trying yeah. to make light of it. Well, you was doing there, and uh, well, it just sounded a bit pet cemetery to me. You well, know? You, you don't know world of geekiness, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about real life here. My cat is a type by the stuff I watch is based on real life. So my my, uh, I've got an air gun. Oh, I was going to give it you as a present, but you're fairly anti-guns. It's quite a cool one because it's air-powered. So you should go... Mm-hmm. And you put it... And it's there. No the lever business like yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's proper jobby. I like... You say I'm anti-guns. I'm anti-possession of weapons in the hands of the public. Okay. I think a, you, I'd have no problem going to a shooting range. Yeah. No problem whatsoever yeah. because it's a, it's a great sport. I love shooting. That's I used to be, I used to be, yeah, remember Stockport Gun Club? I was, guns. I was trying to even get onto the team, you know, where it used to be at the Olympics. Olympics. I would have been, literally, that's literally the only way I'd ever be an Olympian, believe me. Well, and, um, and this is the, the thing. I, it, I get why it's enjoyable, but it just got to the point where I thought, well, you can shoot in video games now. Yeah. yeah you know, there's that. other ways, yeah. isn't there? Well, I, as a kid, I used to have an air rifle. I used to shoot things, ratting. They used to go ratting. Oh, I've not heard that down, term down, for a long down time. Down the canal, ratting. Oh, uh, God. Anyway, so my dilemma is I want to shoot this feral cat. Oh. And I want to shoot it yeah. quite straight in the middle but of this'll get us. This will get the show on the front cover of the evening. News, yeah, but I'm just saying that's what I want do to do. Whether I'll do it is another thing. I will. You know what I'd do? Go on. Right. I'd set something up for it, like <coughs> some food or something, so it comes along, yeah? Mm. I'd get it. I've got to... Put it in a bag, put it in the back of the car, and I'd drive how can you get it? 40 how miles can you, away. How can you get 40 it? miles right, away how, right. and let it sounds, out somewhere. Sounds a great plan. So how do... Because it ain't going to come how back, is it? it? How to catch it? Well, you, you set a trap, don't you? Are you living in Alaska? Have you got a bear trap or something? I think well, there's ways in there. You can like fight. What? I don't know well, what do you do when you get a cat. Our cat went missing yeah. and we had to set it up and it ended up getting... And we just um, left some milk and some stuff out, some fish, and then it came out and then we just grabbed it well, in the bag cat, and took this it. this cat, because um, it, it, the back of me, the building property, so it's like there's tractors and all sorts of stuff behind me pushing things down. Uh, so it's quite it's quite a distance really from mm. from my back garden as such. Mm. So it's quite hard to do. I can't have a bear trap there. So I've got to have an air rifle. So around about nine o'clock this evening, while you're talking on oh, Sabbath, no. I might even give you a report. I might even send in a, 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 if it's been successful or not. Or I have not done it. <laughs> You do Just that, you you're going to get in a right load of trouble. <coughs> anyway, like you say, my bag, my bag approach is better if you can get it. 
If you take I, it I, somewhere, I drop can't. it off in Blackpool, it'll yeah, be right I, at home. Capturing this wild beast. It's a wild beast, is it? Uh, it's quite hard. Anyway, let's move on. Has it got that one eye? Is it like the well, well, bad cats have, in the have, um, <laughs> Lady in the Tramp? It may have you know? one eye later on tonight. Who knows? Oh, God. This is dark. EU this. elections are coming up. And it's a waste of time, isn't it? Getting ready for the race. Over the bank holiday weekend, the riders of the Tour de Yorkshire battled it out through villages and countryside. The east-riding town of Pocklington is on the first day's route. If you want to kill the growing race day buzz, mention a certain electoral contest coming in a couple of weeks. Look on the turning. Are you excited about the big race? Yes. What about the European elections? No. It's still pointless, isn't it? You know, we're supposed to be leaving Europe, so what's the point of electing people to go for, like, two months or something? Will you, will you vote? In the European elections? Um, no, I probably won't bother, no. I've voted Conservative for years, but no, no, not now anymore, because I just think government's shambles. Yeah. How, how, how might you vote? Uh, I think I'm going to vote for the new party. Give it a try. What, the Brexit party? Uh, yes. The same day that the Tour de Yorkshire was coming to Pocklington, the town was also voting in the local council elections. Even Conservative candidates in that election, like David Sykes, show no signs of party loyalty when it comes to the European elections. I can't for the life of me see the point of it when we should be out of Europe by now and not. It's got to cost a fortune, and for what? But you are going to vote Conservative. I withhold my comments on that one. <laughs> I mean, some people might say that's, that, that, that we're in an extraordinary position in politics right now where a chap standing outside a polling station with a blue rosette on says, in the next election, the next yes. European, I might not vote Conservative. Well, there are some people at the moment that are saying they're never going to vote Conservative again. So never mind the next election. At the local election count at Halton Price Leisure Centre on Thursday night, the Conservatives look nervous. The area is overwhelmingly Conservative, but voters also opted decisively for Brexit. Even the frequent chuckles from the local MP and former Brexit Secretary David Davis can't do much to lift the mood. Candidates like Mike Medini have felt the anger of voters on the doorstep. There's been a lot of protest votes and people have been telling us that on the polling station they said we would normally vote for you but you know they want, they want to stick it to the government and just it's just the way it's going nationally so. Mike was back at his day job today which gives him a great view into the lives of local residents although he was re-elected to the council it was he says no thanks to the party's leadership there was promised Brexit I, don't, I can't remember how many times Theresa May said Brexit means Brexit and you know, it's, just, it's not happened yet. The atmosphere on the local level was all focused on Brexit, people wanting to you know, leave, and that's why they were voting against us. So when it comes to the European elections, it's just going to be amplified even more. Do, do you think it would make any difference if the Conservative Party changed leader, got rid of Theresa May? That, that is what a lot of people want. Even members of our, our party and you know, people who aren't members of our party believe that you know, it's time for, time for change. And would that help, do you think, in the European elections? I, th I think it's a bit, it's a bit close now, isn't it? What was it now? Two, two and a half weeks getting on for? Yeah, I think it might be a bit too close for a leadership change for it to affect. But if you could like wave a magic wand, and, and yeah, if somebody would come in who was 
really pro-Brexit, you know, Brexit means Brexit and would stand by that, then I think that could possibly, but I don't think it would sway enough. And, and have you thought about how you might vote in the European elections? Uh, not yet. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'll, I'll, that's a bit of a tough one, though. I don't know if you can ask me that one. <laughs> Helen Green is another re-elected councillor deeply critical of the Conservative leadership. When I met up with her today, she was alarmed by reports that the government might be about to agree a permanent customs union as the price of Labour Party support. That's not what we voted for with Brexit at all. We don't want to be in a customs union. It'd be even worse, I think, to be still tied into the EU but not having a say. And you think that's going to happen simply to avoid the European elections? I would like to think not, but I could see that could be a possibility, yes. Has the relationship between the leadership and the grassroots, do you think, broken down completely in the Conservative I, I think so. I think so. Have you thought how you would vote if the European elections do happen? Well, as of the moment, if things stay as they are, I shall not be casting my vote. You just won't vote at all? I'm not going to vote at all. I, I don't feel, uh, by voting, I'm supporting those residents that, wanted to, uh, that voted for Brexit. I, I, I cannot support... As things are at the moment, I cannot support the Conservative Party in the European elections. So there we have it. Who do you vote for? And do you vote as that Tory voter decided? No, because I spoke... And it seems to me like the coverage of... um, It's a weird one. Especially the BBC. It's covering people who voted leave and it doesn't give much time for people who voted to stay no it doesn't and i've noticed that yeah especially the bbc and i don't think before. that's right as you know i've always argued with you over the bbc mm. um, you you've got you've got this conspiracy weird thing going on in your head over them you, you've, no, you've always just said to, to me no i just listen to the bbc no you do, yeah, you're yeah. listening with your own bias though you're you in the past well, have listened to them it. and gone oh no they're they're tories them they're they're taking the tory side or something i don't think so i think they've been they have been critical of the sitting government throughout all the years um have they attacked labor more than more than the tories I've heard no, the name the Nigel past. Farage on the BBC more times than I'd like to care to think about. That, that. I agree he represent with. Nigel Farage? And he represents a tiny minority and he shouldn't be getting the airtime that he no. was getting. No, the Green I party agree with you. Compared to the Green Party. And they get none. None. And Literally yet they've not. got MPs. No, exactly. And plenty so, councillors. So I'm, uh, I do think you've got a point at last. Oh, thank you. No, I've seen it. I've seen over so, the... They, you, they uh, seem to be... Pro-Tory and pro-Brexit. Right-wing Tory. Yeah, pro-Brexit. They seem to have a a pro-Brexit bias, the BBC, at this moment in time. Now, I don't know if that's a policy uh, that's that's passed down from... I mean, the fish rots from the head. I mean, is it this coming from the head of the BBC? Is it coming from the the controller department, the controller, whatever? I've no idea. Uh, But there seems to be something. Who are you going to vote for in the European elections? I'm going to think very carefully because for the first time in my life, last week, I did not vote. Really? Yep, I didn't vote. I thought about it and I was going to be voting Labour as usual. I'm a member of the Labour Party. At every election I've voted Labour. I have never missed an election. I have never missed the opportunity to vote. I take the, the, uh, the possession of the right to vote very seriously. It's something people have died for. I, I wouldn't ever do it lightly. I found myself uh, 
angered by the arrogance of the Labour NEC and Corbyn and his cronies because they do not they no longer represent the opinions of the majority of the members of the Labour Party. They are imposing their own personal biases and in the turn of um, Jeremy Corbyn, I've said to you before, I have personally been... I've been subjected to his tirades of abuse when it comes to Europe. He he will not stop when he starts talking about him. He talks about him, and he's very much a conspiracy theorist. You know, they always he's very much of this sort of big group, this unelected cabal that are imposing this world order on us. And he's got that in his head. He's a lunatic. He's an absolute lunatic, and that's the guy that's running the Labour Party. So unfortunately. We now don't seem to stand for anything. We went into this election and the Tories were uh, absolutely at civil war with each other on whether to go for a people's vote or whether to to do a hard Brexit. There are lunatics in that party that actually want to push the Armageddon button. They want us to drop out and they think that the minute it happens that the red arrows are going to fly overhead and we're going to, within six months... Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and they think that we're all going to be... the. saw it on TV, the Vox Pop, yeah, when they were talking, job. yeah, the, on the day when we should have left, left the, uh, they had a big protest, to say big, it wasn't that big compared to the Remain protest the other week, but the uh, leavers the, were there, and they spoke to one guy, what do you think will come, uh, if you do get this hard Brexit that you obviously want, and they went, well, it means that we can have a British Empire again, and I thought, you utter, utter, utter moron, to think that and and this is what you're dealing with these are unintelligent uneducated buffoons that have got themselves worked up and don't even understand what it is they're angry about they just seem to have a view of britain and the uk and that that we're being subsumed where you know by by europe and it's absolute nonsense of course there's problems with europe of course there is but when it came to voting this time we had a run-up, and, and li- the Lib Dems came into this and went, yep, we want to tear up Article 50. We want to stay in Europe. And then you go, OK, I know what they want. Tories, they don't even know what they want on a daily basis. They, they will give you a point of view uh, at midday, and by 6 o'clock there'll be more MPs from the same party, the Tories, <coughs> saying a totally different view on the BBC and chatting away and you don't have a clue where they stand. All you know is that she is a Remainer who's been strong-armed into accepting uh, Brexit. She's fudging it. She's trying to give it and not give it and do smoke and mirrors and it's not working because from the day when I first became aware of politics where five, six, seven years old this battle in the Tory party with these hard backbenchers, these lunatics who want us out of Europe at all costs that would burn down Parliament just to, to get us out of this. You know, they, they just want to damage the country and they, they don't see it logically. They just want Europe gone. They want us out. And this battle has gone on ever since. And so what do we do? Labour have got a very clear, easy, easy strategy. Now, they either go, we actually want a hard Brexit... Or you go, we want a people's vote. So it's dead simple, isn't it? Now, the majority, the, the you'd get more votes by going with uh, the Remain option. 
by saying we'll have a people's vote and tear up Article 50 if you want it. Yeah, and and you would have got more. Yes, you would have lost Sunderland. Yes, there would have been some MPs lose their jobs at the next election because these hard uh, Brexit areas are not going to vote for Labour. They'll flip. But you know what? You'll scoop up, for every one of them you lose, you'll scoop up other areas that want to remain in Europe. So I think that that was the only option. So what do they do? They go, they have a meeting at the NEC. Um, they, they, first of all, they have a meeting, uh, the cabinet have a meeting and the deputy um, leader storms out, Tom Watson, because he's saying you're just not listening to the people. He stormed out and I'm not a big fan of Tom Watson, but he stormed out of that meeting. He said to Jeremy Corbyn, you are not listening to the majority of the members of the Labour Party that want a people's vote. You have to go, you have to stand for that, and if you don't stand for that, coming into this election will do very badly. People thought a disastrous sh- t- turnout for Labour, considering the the incoming bloodbath that was going to be the Tory party meltdown, and that did happen. They lost thousands of seats, and Labour, it would have been seen as a, a massive victory for Labour if they'd have won 900 seats or above. It was seen as a disaster if they only gained a couple of hundred seats. They lost 97. So there were nearly 300 seats down from the worst-case doomsday scenario. (coughs) They got absolutely (coughs) hammered. Why did I not vote? I didn't vote because at that point, when that day, when Tom Watson walked out of that meeting and Corbyn went to the NEC... And that him and the NEC, all his cronies, decided they were going to go into this and say that they want to do a deal with uh, Theresa May. And only if that all collapsed, then they'd consider a people's vote as a backstop. I went, well, they don't represent me, so I am not voting for you. I am not voting because I'm a trained poodle. I am going to vote if I believe in you, and I do not believe in them. And when it comes to the European election, that's another issue. Uh, What a waste. We'll get onto that right away. Uh, I just don't know whether I'm going to vote. Okay, um, I'll take a point. And it's just a, a matter of fact, the um, politician, local councillor who's going to come on the show last week, who had to pull out uh, one by 12 votes only from an independent. Ooh. 12 votes. And he's been in that seat wow. since 19. Plonk. They haven't learned from it, Paul. They, they haven't have learned, learned from it. Right, we, they the show's finished. The show finished. But as, as, as I said last week, we're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did rubbish last week. I want yeah. to see how well you do this week. Yeah. We're going to have 30 seconds of music playing in the background. And you yeah. got to defend the undefendable oh, to God. finish the Here show off. Uh, and this is the uh, statement in front of you. And it goes like this Boris Johnson would make a fine Prime Minister. Please have a statement from you saying why he would be defend the undefendable starting very old school and very Etonian and he appeals in the universal language of being British he, he's got that buffoonery that upper class snobbery about him that actually is very amenable and when he goes over and he's meeting with foreign governments and, and that he is your classic Brit to them he's this posh uh, upper class Bit, bit of a funny guy. He's a character. He's very well known. He's uh, he is at least a face. Uh, he does stick to his guns. On that's it over with. Uh, his character. He's a face. He sticks to his certain guns. 
Uh, I think you have two points out of that one. It is a character. And on that note, we'll say goodbye. We'll see you next week. My name, my name's Paul Ripley. And I'm Mike Royce. And um, I'll just say it again, because I've dropped your microphone from the competition. And you are? Mike Royce. We'll see you next week.